0: You're listening to On The Record Off Script, my name is Mark Coffin, and I am your host. This week I sat down with Andrew Younger. Andrew is the first former MLA that we've interviewed who served in the most recently dissolved legislature, and he's the only former MLA we've interviewed who was at one point a part of Steve McNeil's Liberal Caucus and Cabinet. In our conversation we discussed a range of topics, including how Steve McNeil's style of management for his cabinet ministers evolved during Andrew's time with the party. We'll be including some of that conversation in an upcoming episode on how cabinet works, so you'll have a chance to hear how McNeil's cabinet compared to those of John Hamm, Rodney McDonald, and Daryl Dexter. But for this week's episode, I'll share the part of our conversation where Andrew spoke about his experience sitting as an independent, which is how he spent the last year of his time in politics. Andrew is the only independent MLA that we have interviewed, we often hear about the downsides of being independent, and Andrew spoke about those, but he also spoke about some of the unsung, unknown advantages of being an independent in Nova Scotia politics. Here are some excerpts from my conversation with Andrew Younger, which took place at Alderney Gate Library in Dartmouth last Friday, September 22nd. Andrew Younger, welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here. So you've been out of provincial politics for a few months now. Maybe before we get into unpacking what your uh, experience in politics and the legislature was like, just tell us what you're up to.
1: I guess at the moment I'm doing a lot of work in government affairs and uh, corporate social responsibility, which ironically is what I did before getting into politics. So I've sort of returned to that, uh, now having the experience of how government really uh, does or doesn't work.
0: We actually have uh, a shared background. We both studied marine biology.
1: Oh, there you go. So we both studied marine biology and haven't used it. That's good. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, I, I did. I, I worked for Fisheries and Oceans for a while, uh, very, very early on. And I um, Uh, I enjoyed it, but I I think the science actually helped in politics in the end.
0: Yeah, for me personally, it was getting into... Uh, marine biology and realizing it's not actually a lot of ecosystem problems. A lot of the ecosystem problems are actually political problems. So
1: That's exactly what I found, too. I was interested in the macro stuff, and uh, around here, at least, uh, everybody was interested in stock assessments, and after about uh-huh. three years of doing stock assessments, um, I was ready to do something else.
0: So, yeah, let's start there. So... Um, Many people probably uh, across Nova Scotia probably know you as a, a former Malay, a former cabinet minister, uh, but people in Halifax, of course, and Dartmouth know you as a former municipal councillor. What, um, what was it that led you to running for, uh, for municipal op- office first?
1: So you're supposed to have a really good reason why you um, ran for politics, and I don't. Uh, I was running my own business at the time. It was successful, and uh, I'd taken on a contract uh, with the municipality, actually, to do some communications work for them, and I had met the uh, my current councillor at the time, um, who was a fine person, but and I wanted a, a, a light removed outside my house, a uh-huh. uh, street light. Um, And I didn't like the response that I got. And it really had nothing to do with the fact that the light wasn't removed. It just, I didn't like the response. And then I started talking to people and I'd grown up in the neighborhood of Dartmouth where I live in. And people encouraged me to run. Uh, So I did. Uh, And I was fortunate because the people who were considering running and wanted an alternative all coalesced around me Uh, so that uh, that was a benefit and i'd grown up in the area so i knew a lot of people and i ended up in uh, on municipal council and and i never intended to go provincial Uh, i never intended to spend more than 10 years in elected politics Um, but 13 years later i finally Mm -hmm. decided not to run
0: and what point did you join the liberal party
1: um Uh, Days before the election in 2009, to be honest, uh, I had uh, I had uh, been asked a number of times once I became councillor to run for the Tories or to run for the Liberals. And um, I had refrained from it as a councillor. I attended political events of all three major parties. Um, I made a very big point of not being partisan in terms of mm-hmm. a political party. Um, but when I uh, eventually I was convinced to try my hand provincially, and and I, I chose the Liberals because, uh, it, quite frankly, it looked like the Tories were on the way out. Uh, they that was when Rodney Macdonald lost, of course, mm-hmm. um, and and even to the day of the nomination, I wasn't sure if I was going to do it or not. Uh, but I did. And and then I ran and and I people will point out I had been a liberal in a young liberal in university uh, because my mom had volunteered Uh with the liberals and so forth. So I did have that sort of connection with the liberals going back further. But it it had been a very long time since I'd been a member of the party or any party for that matter.
0: Right. And just as we were setting up, you mentioned that uh, something I thought of in the way in as well, that you're probably the only MLA, former MLA we will have interviewed who has been. Uh, on the backbenches of uh, of government, on the uh, in the cabinet of government, in the opposition uh, with the liberals, and then an in, in independent. So there's a lot I think to to unpack about those experiences. Yeah, I,
1: I've had. The, I've been fortunate to have a, all different roles, and pretty well all the roles except for speaker uh, in the legislature. So uh, yeah, and and it is it is interesting because you actually see what works and what doesn't work, and some of the you know, the assumptions people make you, you start to understand whether they're accurate or not.
0: What's it like becoming an independent?
1: Well, so obviously there are better ways to become an independent than being forced to become one. Um, but the the irony is, um, I had, before I was forced to become an independent, I had already talked to some members of my riding association about my thoughts that I might be leaving the liberal party. And that was in part because I wasn't happy with some decisions being made at cabinet and, and a general approach to governing that I just was giving me a, not a good feeling. So mm-hmm. the irony was circumstances were such that I ended up being forced to become an independent, which was something that I'd been considering for about six months anyways. Um, It is much more like being on municipal council Uh uh, because in municipal council, you're an independent. It gives you a whole lot more flexibility and freedom uh, to speak up for the things that you think are important. And you don't need to take positions that align with donors or you don't have to worry that your position on the environment matches a left or right wing with your position on the economy or on labor, Mm -hmm. um, which is something you get pigeonholed into, right? Because... If you want to put the stereotypical Tories, they are, you know, not as friendly to the environment. Yet Mark Perrant seemed to manage to bring in some of the more environmentally progressive legislation we've had. But that wouldn't necessarily fit in the traditional Tory party. Um, Likewise, being friendly to business uh, and being in the NDP is tricky, but you can do that as an independent. So I liked it. It also guaranteed I had a question every single day in question period, every, Really, every single day. So I actually got more questions than I did as an opposition member.
0: They didn't try to, there wasn't a rule that prevented that or they didn't well, they try can't. to change so the, rule. So the Really?
1: Thing, they can't because it's based on a division of the opposition members. Uh, and the number of questions uh-huh. there are, are divided up and there's a formula that the clerk does. and. In fact, I would have had two questions a day if the questions were really fast because I would have picked up (laughs) another question later. But um, yeah, so I had a question every single day. Uh Uh, So some days I'm trying to figure out what to ask because you know, there really wasn't any... I didn't have enough um, material. We chose... And when I say we, I mean the staff that I had and I chose to run my office a little bit different than past independents. We chose to run it like a political party. So, hmm. you know, my uh, constituency assistant came down and briefed the media on what we were going to ask. We um, put out backgrounders on things that we were so pushing. Your
0: constituency assistant from, from Dartmouth. Yeah, yeah from Dartmouth. So the other,
1: the, as an independent, you get an additional staff person. So oh, really? I it allows you that. to pull this oh. uh, r- researcher, really, is what uh-huh. you're getting. So we ran it like a, a miniature uh, political party, uh-huh. uh, because of course I'd been there. I knew how that all operated. Right. Uh, we filed FOI pops constantly. We, um, I mean, it was a lot of work, but we did. We, we did it. We were, and it paid off, right? Because we introduced legislation regularly. I didn't sit there and worry about. Uh, in the past, many independents only introduced legislation that related to their riding. It was like a local little issue. Mm -hmm. I did that sometimes, but I also did if there was a big thing I thought should be changed or addressed, I did it to raise attention Mm to it. Uh, Jeez, my bill as an opposition member stood exactly the same chance of any other opposition member of getting passed, which was zero. Zero. (laughs) (laughs) So I mean, what's the difference, right? Right. Yeah. Um, So I liked it from that perspective. I was never a big fan of the dynamic in the legislature in any position I ever had there so that was just as bad as it always was but I felt there was an ability to work with community organizations and individuals from across the province in a way that I never had before because I didn't have to worry about somebody getting upset with me so when Mm -hmm. I was an opposition member with the Liberals I used to get in trouble all the time for saying something that well, that's not the party position, We're right? Like, yeah, but it's my position, and it's what I stand for. Uh,
0: I know you had a post on Facebook about uh, during, I believe it was during the teacher strike last year, about being approached by a few members of the the liberals about you know what what do I lose, what do I In gain December, by becoming yeah. Uh, yeah. an independent? And uh, you mentioned some of those things. I guess like, are there uh, are there other so, elements that that make? Because we often hear yeah. that you know, becoming independent, even if you get elected, you can't do anything. But it certainly doesn't sound like that. Was oh no, your you, can do, you can do a lot. So
1: here here's here's what's going to happen if you're an independent and if you're elected. And and quite honestly, I mean, when I considered running in in the recent election, we had done polling and everything, and and it was very clear that I would. Well, it was very clear that I stood a, a very good chance of winning that that election. Mm-hmm. Um, we had. Uh, committed donations of over 60,000, which was more than we'd ever had in any of the elections I'd run before. So Mm. independents can do something, but they have to be willing to run it like a political party. You don't get to sit on committees. Well, the only committee that matters in the legislature is Public Accounts Committee. All the rest of those committees, like um, Human Resources and so forth, are either rubber Mm -hmm. stamps or they have no effective... Value to Nova Scotians. All they do is cost money to operate and per diems and so forth Which is frustrating because Mm -hmm. in other provinces Legislation gets introduced and then sent to the committees and the committees review them, right? Um, There's a there's a different pro the the, so the committees actually have a value Um, That doesn't so the only committee other uh, well uh, other than of course the uh, uh, Some of the ones that operate when the legislature is actually in session have No value. So being off those is going to give you more time to work with your constituents. Right. The the other thing that isn't a rule that happened to me is I had just been elected by members of the legislature of all parties, and by U.S. legislators uh, to the uh, council of state governments. Now, this is before on, you had this is before just before an now. Or now, independent or independent. I've been re-elected, I guess, to the council of state governments. Now, uh-huh. in the end, the speaker decided he wasn't going to um, uh, allow me to take on that role as an independent, and and that was in part because it meant one of the parties was going to lose. The I opportunity see, right. to send somebody as a perk, I guess, or something. So, uh-huh. it, Which was annoying because there's no rule that says that an independent can't sit on that committee. And if there had been more independents, we could have pushed that issue. But yeah. that's what happens. So you do get pushed around a bit because mm-hmm. they don't like having independents there because right. it, it messes things up. But you have a lot of power. So there's a lot of things in the legislature that require unanimous consent. And you can be the... and the house leader for the government would often meet with the other parties and try and get consent to do something. They would always forget to meet mm-hmm. with, the, uh, with the independent until the time that you pointed out, by the way, I might not support that. Then all of a sudden we started getting notified about everything. Right. Because, so what are the things that need to So know for example, consent? if they want to skip re- a reading, so if they want to go uh, to third reading uh-huh. right after committee of the whole house. Uh, instead of waiting a day, they actually need unanimous consent of the legislature to do that. And you don't need a reason; you just have to say no. Um, so there's some power the house, in, they in that need, ability. Yeah, to adjourn the house, they need unanimous consent. Huh. Um, there's a there's a whole pile of things like that that happen all the time in the legislature that require unanimous consent mm-hmm. to revert. Here, here's a good one: ministers are notoriously late coming in and so what would happen sometimes is they would miss giving a statement they had Mm -hmm. Well, in order to go back and give that statement and they usually have guests in the gallery right to hear them say nice things right you actually have to revert back on the agenda well that requires unanimous consent Uh so if you're in a really bad mood or you're like they've pissed you off or you have something you really want to get done or, or you have something that you want to get done and need some leverage you just say no and Opposition parties often won't do that because they're playing a whole lot of different things, right? They're, they have a whole mm-hmm. balance that they have to have. As an independent member, you can make everything as a one-off decision. Um, so there is power. The the hardest part, I think, there's people that like being an MLA too much. They like the title, or they like mm-hmm. the, uh, they think there's some kind of prestige that comes with it, or something. Mm-hmm. And they're scared to leave a party because the biggest challenge is fundraising. You can raise money as an independent, but nobody gets a tax receipt for it until you are a, a fully nominated candidate, not just an initially nominated candidate for the election, but actually the election has to have been called. You have to have your official agent, you have right. to have your signatures, all that sort of stuff that you can't do until after the election's called. So right. There are ways around that, and the ways around that are you get do what I did, which was you get commitments of donations. But you can't actually collect it. You can't, collect, can't deposit a check. You can't you deposit can't. a check. You can't take the money. So it's a, it's a real big problem we have in our electoral system here mm-hmm. uh, that it's set up to support parties, not independents. And that's very different from the United States, whereas even though people have party labels, they actually raise money and they have their associations as individuals. Mm -hmm. And as a result, they're much more independent. So when I left to be an independent, there was 40 or so thousand dollars in the bank. Um, All that went to the Liberal Party. Uh, To the Liberal Party. Yeah, all that money that uh, I had collected uh, and others had collected in my name uh, to raise for reelection had all, with all, given to the Liberal Party. So that, that was money you collected before becoming an independent,
0: not that was money, money you collected yeah, for really your election campaign. Yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. And
1: so there's a lot of people that are scared of that. They don't yeah. want to have to create their own organization or try and figure out how to raise money. And the rules are stacked against certainly yeah. people who aren't known. I had an advantage that I was pretty well known. So Right, yeah, name but, recognition. But there was still, the logistics of it were incredible. Yeah. So that's what people are scared of. And so they won't take that risk uh, and you saw that right i mean you saw that Stephen mcneil pulled the bill uh, originally on the education stuff because he wasn't going to win he was going to have people vote against it or probably more likely not show up to vote um, mm-hmm. and so he pulled the bill eventually they had them coursed enough and they were close enough to the election right that nobody was willing to take that risk by that point uh, i see what you're
0: saying Another question I mean, uh, I could talk about in the, uh, the notion of being an independent and how we get more of them. Uh, I find that it's a fascinating conversation. and it certainly comes a lot comes up a lot in the work we do when we talk about bettering democracy.
1: Yeah, well, I'll just say briefly about that that it would be is it, I like none of it system where they elect everybody as an independent. And then they create a speaker and a premier and a government out of all those independents. I think that's a great system, right? Um, I guess the challenge I have
0: with that, and people say that every time we have public conversations on electoral reform or democratic reform more broadly, I agree. How would we ever get there?
1: Well, and I'm not sure you can, but here's my problem with people talk about electoral reform and say, okay, well, let's do proportional representation, for example. Um, which I see the merits in that. But here's the problem. If you elect people on a proportional representation basis, and I understand there's all different formats, and you elect 20 Liberals and 20 Tories and 20 NDP, and that's mm-hmm. fine, like forget about the fact they are even numbers. Well, the legislature never has to meet because it'd be just like it is now. You know what the vote's going to be on everything because you've elected them as a party and to support the party. And I actually think we need to go the opposite way and get away from electing people, uh, get away from electing parties and get back to electing individuals, even if they have a party brand behind them. And as much as we make fun of the gridlock and everything in the U.S., that's really what they do. It's why you see uh, when the healthcare care debate, they don't know that they have all the Republicans on board for those votes. They're coercing them and they're trying to make deals to say, well, what would you support? Because every one of those individuals is elected as an independent. Now, in their case, they use a primary system, but they're really elected as an independent and then take a party brand. But if you Mm -hmm. talk to a Republican in Boston and a Republican in Texas, Mm -hmm. they are not the same, right? Right. And so what I would like to see is. I think the desire for proportional representation comes out of this notion that um, we don't like majority governments getting elected with 40% of the vote, and I agree with that entirely. But I would rather see us get to electing individuals, which we generally do on councils and so forth, and then those individuals are accountable to their voters as opposed to what we have now, which is we elect individuals. But they're accountable to the party. They're not accountable to the voters because it's the party that can kick them out. It's the party discipline. I mean, I had a friend of mine that had never been to the legislatures from another country and came and said, Why do they meet? You actually know what the vote is always going to be. Like, mm-hmm. this is actually a waste of money for, for them, for the legislature to ever meet because you know what every vote's going to be.
0: Well, I mean, but we also have that now. I I know, I know, I know, we do.
1: And I I won't, I won't, I'm not uh, saying it's any better now. Right, right. (laughs) And I'm not saying proportional representation is bad. And it's not. I actually think it probably would be a step ahead because you would have more negotiation. But I think Mm -hmm. that we need to think about, in that case, we're electing parties. And I think part of our problem is we need to get some more independence in there so that people, at least within the party structure, don't have to worry about. Well, if I get kicked out of the party, I can't vote against the party because if I get kicked out, yeah. then I don't have a structure. And you can do that by changing some of the ele- elections rules by sitting the fundraising and the money with individuals rather than mm-hmm. the parties. And then say, you know, what? if they get defeated or they don't run again, that money can go, whatever money's left can go back to the, the coffers of the province, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's fine. There are ways to solve that. But I think we also... It, proportional reputation great but we need to get we need to find a way to get more people speaking up for what they yeah. want and if you think back to Joe howe in those days they all had party names but you go back and read those debates or look at them they were they were all independents at the end of the day right
0: and the only thing I'll throw in here because uh, I have another question I want to ask you but is that I think we can have both of those things I think there's a and this happens all the time in uh, very kind of truncated conversations about electoral reform. Is that we put this sort of um, it's proportional representation versus independent so ENTS versus uh, you know we can have proportional representation in our electoral system if we want it. We can also have uh, party constitutions that enshrine some independence e n c e uh, for the people who are. Uh, elected officials. And we can also make the the whole system such that the voter can choose both the individual within the party or an independent and vote for their party yeah. of preference and have, I guess, a greater impact on what, looks, what the legislature is. And I agree like. with
1: that entirely. I think you can have both. Uh, I just think we need to be very careful of not losing sight of the fact that many of the debates we've had over the past few years, even some of the debates under the NDP government and the mm-hmm. Tories, like this isn't unique to the, the liberals. Right. What has made the public really mad during those debates is that they scream and yell at their MLA, but their MLA goes, oh, I gotta vote for the party line. And, and we need, I think we need, if we're going to change the electoral system or change things, we need to change that, that actually would be, to give people by legislation more independence would probably be easier to get done um, because it just requires changes to the uh, the Elections Act, then it will to get proportional representation done, although both probably need to happen.
0: Unless we get a court order.
1: Unless we get a court order, yes, yes.
0: Um, <laughs> so the, uh, one of the last questions I wanted to ask you was around, um, you are, I, I would say, and it's a compliment in where it's going, not a normal MLA, or you weren't a normal MLA. Most. I'm not normal anything. So <laughs> <that's okay. laughs> <laughs> Most of the, the people uh, we spoke to uh, as former MLAs and MLAs I, I speak to still uh, who are currently serving, uh, their emphasis is not on, on policy issues or positioning or, or lawmaking. Their interest, emphasis is on um, looking after casework, looking after kind of like funding for very uh, hyper local projects in their community. Um, and and again, I get I get that people uh, people need support with uh, complex government paperwork. People need to have a hospital or school in their area. Um, but uh, one of the things that seems to uh, often emerge is that those things. It's like you can do that, or you can work on policy, and people choose that stuff. What I guess made it uh, different for you, and, and why focus on on the policy
1: making um, versus the you know the grandstanding for the local whatever well, project? You certainly there's there's a couple of things. First of all, it's a lot easier as an urban MLA than a rural one to do that kind uh, of work. to do that kind of work because it's a lot less. Of it. now I did lobby successfully and very hard for things like uh, the Dartmouth General and and the um, the Canal Commission. And so those were sort of local things for me that I lobbied very hard and got done. Mm -hmm. But the Dartmouth General, for example, is a regional project. So it then becomes a policy decision of what are you doing with hospitals in the capital region. Um, The Canal Commission was probably the local thing that I became best known for in terms of getting funding for, if you will. And certainly we had tons of casework coming in. I can't tell you the number of uh, uh, things I notarized for people and and just because MLAs could do that at the time. right? Uh, and th- the number of times, like we spent a lot of time working on um, uh, deadbeat dads and a couple of deadbeat moms too. But uh, So we spent a lot of time uh, going after people to, and and working with maintenance enforcement to try and ensure that they got the money for their kids and stuff. Um, But although I was really involved in that, it isn't what I was really known for. Mm -hmm. And and I think for me, that comes out of the fact that I saw the, that as the job of my office, which was my responsibility to make sure it's happening. Mm -hmm. And when a problem got escalated, I needed to deal with it. But I got into this because I wanted the province to be better. I didn't get in this cause I wanted to be an MLA for life mm-hmm. uh, or a counselor or anything else. I didn't get into it because I wanted my name on a plaque somewhere or, um, to be roasted at some event. I got into it because I actually looked and said, I would actually like the province as a whole to be a better place. And that means changing legislation and policy. And so that is true that pretty much everything I did, uh, I tried to focus on things at a provincial level, or at least at a regional level, mm-hmm. uh, to say how can we make this better, and and there's people that disagree with my decisions, and that's fine. Sure. But the like when I was in in the department, even when I became minister as the Department of Energy or whatever, it was about what's best for the province, or what, and sometimes that involved compromise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it, in when I was minister of communications, Nova Scotia. One of the things I did was bring in the legislation that prohibited the use of Communications Nova Scotia for partisan purposes. Um, now, that has to be policed by the Auditor General and so forth. But the right. reality is that did not benefit us as a government or me as a minister, because I could have had my face on all kinds of things. But I banned ministers putting their face on signs and mm-hmm. so forth. Um
0: How will we we know who built the highways
1: though? I know we won't know who built the highways, but I mean, Jeff McClellan gave me a hard time about it. I mean, he was joking at the time because he was like, now I don't get my name on like all the highways. But to me, that was an important policy thing because it wasn't my money. Mm -hmm. It was everybody's. I'm never going to get known for doing that, but that was the kind of thing that I thought was really important to change. Andrew Younger, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thanks, happy to be here. That's this episode of
0: the Offscript podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next Wednesday with a brand new episode. And in the meantime, we encourage you to take a minute and head over to uh, the Offscript podcast in Apple Podcasts and leave a little rating and review. Uh, it helps us get the podcast out there to people with interests similar to your own. And if you like what you're hearing, consider heading to offscript.ca slash donate and making a small contribution. We're talking three, five, maybe eight bucks a month. Every dollar donated goes directly to the costs associated with producing this podcast weekly. The next episode of the Offscript podcast comes out next Wednesday. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe. You can find the podcast in any of the podcast catching platforms out there. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play. Just search on the record Offscript and we should be the first result that comes up. If you're not a podcast person, but you like what you hear and perhaps you're listening to this on the Spring Tide website, scroll down a little bit. There's a little box that you can enter your email in, which we'll use to send you an email each time there's a new episode released.